Welcome to the Ship Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, December 3rd. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a brand new Jerome Powell. This Fed chair is a hawk. He's a warrior. He's a tough guy. He's going to fight inflation. Ever since Joe Biden announced he was reappointing Powell for another term as chairman of the Federal Reserve, Jerome has been singing a completely different tune from the one he was singing just a couple of weeks ago. This reminds me of the nerdy kid in high school who goes home over the summer, gets a new haircut, maybe some new clothes, and then he comes back in the fall strutting around like he's the new big man on campus. But, you know, we all know this is still the same nerdy kid, right? I'm just not convinced that this bird has really changed his feathers. I mean, a dove is a dove, right? I'm not convinced that Jerome Powell is suddenly going to be this hawkish Fed chair out there slaying the inflation dragon, like everybody seems to think. The main reason I don't think Powell is going to fundamentally change is because I don't think he can. The economic situation certainly hasn't changed in the last week. Only thing that has changed is the rhetoric. But the markets seem to have bought into the Powell tough guy act. Gold is back where it was a month or so ago. We're stuck below the $1,800 an ounce resistance level. That's because everybody has decided Powell means it this time, and he's going to tighten monetary policy, and he's going to do it quicker than anybody expected. Now, there is something that is different about Powell. He's talking different. The $64,000 question is whether or not this is anything more than talk. But yeah, Powell did go off script this week. In fact, the transitory inflation narrative is officially dead. Even Powell has now acknowledged that inflation ain't transitory. During an appearance before a Senate committee, along with uh, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen earlier this week, the uh, chairman said it was time to retire the word transitory. He said, quote, it's probably a good time to retire that word and try to explain more clearly what we mean. Okay, so what more clearly do you mean, Jerome? I think what Powell is really saying, and and he's not going to actually come out and say it, but he's saying we were dead wrong about our transitory inflation, and uh, so we got to come up with a new lie to sell our failing policies to the rest of the world. Powell also said that the central bank may need to speed up its asset purchase taper to tamp down inflationary pressure. He said, quote, at this point, the economy is very strong and inflationary pressures are higher. And it is therefore appropriate, in my view, to consider wrapping up the taper of our asset purchases, which we actually announced at the November meeting, perhaps a few months sooner. I expect that we'll discuss that at our upcoming meeting, In quote. Now, first off, the economy is very strong, I'm going to say no to that. And I'll get into that here a little bit in just a minute. But let's say the Fed does speed up the taper. And let's say that they nudge up interest rates 25 or 50 basis points a couple of months earlier than we expected. Is that really going to chop down what I would argue is double-digit inflation? I mean, even taking the official government numbers of over 6% CPI, is Powell really going to slay the inflation dragon with this pea shooter approach? 
Powell's comments sparked a big sell-off in the stock market. The Dow Jones was down 652 points on Tuesday after his little talk. That followed on the heels of a rebound Monday after we had another big sell-off on what Peter Schiff called Black and Blue Friday. The big stock plunge right after Thanksgiving was thanks to the revelation of the Oh My God COVID variant. I mean, Omicron variant. Of course, stocks have already rebounded after the sell-off on Tuesday, so, you know, maybe traders don't really believe it. In fact, I saw a Reuters article that called into question whether or not we're actually going to get this big rate hike uh, in the near future. Here's the lead paragraph from this article. Quote, a buildup of bets on rising interest rates has done nothing to derail a stock market rally based on a conviction that policy tightening by the U.S. Federal Reserve and other central banks will go nowhere near as far as it did in the past. Now, keep in mind, bond yields are still extremely low on a nominal level. And when you factor in inflation, real yields are far below zero. That's why investors keep throwing money at the stock market. There is no alternative in this low-yield environment. The Reuters analysis draws the following conclusion, quote, And those negative real yields, alongside stubbornly low, longer-dated government borrowing costs, flattening yield curves, and soaring equities, all rely on the view that terminal rates, or where the central bank policy rates will peak, will be lower than in previous cycles. In other words, even if they hike interest rates, it ain't going to go as high as it did the last time they hiked interest rates. And of course, if history is any indication, this is 100% correct. If you go all the way back to the 1980s and you look at the cycle of monetary stimulus and tightening, you'll see that every round of Fed intervention takes rates lower. And then when the central bank tightens, the peak of the interest rate cycle is also lower than it was before. I'm going to throw a few numbers at you just so you can see this trajectory. The first really big round of interest rate cuts happened in the early 1990s. Rates dropped all the way to 3% at the bottom. They got back as high as 6% in 1995 and hovered around in that 5 to 6% range for a few years. The dot-com bubble popped, and then rates went below 1% for the first time. After that recovery, the tightening began, and rates got all the way back up to 5%. Then the housing market busted, and we ended up with the Great Recession, and as you will remember, rates went all the way to zero for the first time ever. They stayed there until the first rate hike, which wasn't until 2015. After that, Rates never got above 2.5%. Remember, as soon as the Fed really started trying to normalize after the Great Recession with steady rate increases and actually shrinking the balance sheet, you'll remember the balance sheet shrinking was on autopilot in 2018, the stock market threw a huge tantrum. And what did the Fed do? The Fed reversed course. There were three rate cuts in 2019. This was before COVID. And then, of course, when the COVID thing hit, we went back to zero and we had the most massive quantitative easing ever in the history of the world. So if we couldn't get above 2.5 in 2018, what in the hell makes people think it's going to go any higher than that in the next round of so-called tightening? History indicates that they won't even be able to push rates that high. So what, 1.5%? And that's going to do something to slay inflation that is officially running over 6% and is really higher than that? 
I keep reminding y'all of this, but Paul Volcker had to take rates to 20% to take on double-digit inflation. 20%. Not 1.5%, not 2%, 20%. So I'm just not feeling this big tightening thing. And according to the Reuters articles, the uh, the Reuters article, the markets are betting that the next tightening cycle will end below two percent. So they're not buying it either, really. Here's from that Reuters article again. What equity markets are saying is interest rates won't get very high, and real yields will stay low. This is uh, Craig Inches. He's head of rates and cash at Royal London Asset Management. Quote, bond markets are saying we will hold long end yields low because we think rates will rise and then come straight back down again. Yep, that seems about right. And, you know, we're not even talking about actually shrinking the massive Fed balance sheet. That's what really needs to happen. The excess money floating around in the economy needs to come out. The trillions of dollars that they've pumped in as stimulus need to be sucked back out. Nobody's even mentioned that. We're just talking about when the Fed might simply stop creating inflation, stop printing the money, and then maybe nudge up interest rates a little bit. Here's the ugly truth. The stock market is totally dependent on the Fed. Artificially low rates hold this whole thing up. They are the pump that keeps the air in the bubble. The moment the actual tightening happens, the moment they really start raising interest rates, this whole thing is going to deflate. The question is, will Powell do that? I've seen nothing in this man's character or in his approach to policy that tells me he will. Then there is the Omicron variant. This is pretty convenient, don't you think? Because now the politicians and the central bankers have an excuse. They're already trotting it out. During his testimony, Powell acknowledged that the Omicron variant could slow economic growth. He also said it could exacerbate labor shortages and put even more strain on the supply chain. That could put additional upward pressure on prices. Although he didn't use the term, Powell actually said we could have stagflation on the horizon. That's rising prices, hot inflation, low economic growth. He actually admitted this, but they're going to blame it on Omicron. They're not going to blame it on their policies. Of course not. So what is the Fed to do? This is the key question. What will the central bankers do? Is it going to ease policy in order to stimulate economic growth? You know, if the Omicron variant makes the economy shaky, we'll have to have more stimulus, right? Or will it tighten monetary policy to fight inflation? You know, the Fed has really been caught between this rock and a hard place for quite some time now. I've talked about it in the past. I talked about it about a year ago, that eventually you're going to have this day of reckoning where they're going to have to choose. Are they going to tighten monetary policy, deal with the inflation, or are they going to uh, just let inflation run hot? Either one of those scenarios is not good, and it's nearing decision time. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen is already using Omicron as an excuse. She said, quote, it could prolong the problem of rising prices. So inflation isn't transitory. I mean, it was. It was transitory. We were right. But now Omicron is here, and that's the reason prices aren't going to come down. It has nothing to do with the trillions of dollars that the Fed printed out of thin air or the trillions of dollars that the U.S. government showered on the American consumers. It's Omicron. Jeez. So anyway, Powell was also talking out of both sides of his mouth. Remember, he said the economy is strong. He kept emphasizing this. The economy is strong. We can speed up the taper. 
But when he was asked when the U.S. government should address the risks posed by the surging national debt, in other words, you know, maybe think about cutting spending, he acknowledged that America does need to get back on a fiscally sustainable path because you'd have to be a moron to not see that. But we need to wait until the economy is strong. Wait, what? So is the economy strong or not, Jerome? I mean, you can't have it both ways, right? You see, every once in a while, the truth comes out. Of course, the Fed chair isn't ever going to come out and say, look, we effed up. The recovery is fake. The economy's a mess. If we really pull the stimulus, this whole thing is going to collapse. He's not going to say that. But Powell knows this is true. He knows the economy is propped up by stimulus. And again, they're caught in this corner, this rock in a hard place. Do you pull the stimulus to fight inflation or do you keep the stimulus going to keep the economic recovery going? I don't know what they're going to do. Again, Neither is particularly a good scenario for you or me. So how good is the economy? Well, there was some interesting data on Black Friday that kind of indicates it's not so good. As I wrote in an article over at the Shiftgold website, Americans appear to be dreaming of a red Christmas. Red, as in piles of debt. Shoppers plan to spend less but borrow more this holiday season. Black Friday spending fell this year, both in stores and online. It was the first year-over-year Black Friday decline ever. On uh, Online retailers rang up $8.9 billion in sales. That was down slightly from the $9 billion spent online in 2020. Again, first time ever we've had a year-on-year online sales decrease. Foot traffic in brick-and-mortar stores dropped by 28%. 0.3%. That's compared to the pre-pandemic levels in 2019. So, less shopping online, a lot less people in the stores. According to the National Retail Federation's annual survey, consumers plan to spend on average $997.73 this holiday season. That's down from the pre-pandemic high of $1,047.83 back in 2019. And of course, when you factor in inflation, it means Americans will be a will be buying a lot less stuff. So again, not good. Meanwhile, almost half of American shoppers, 45%, plan to use buy-now-pay-later services to spread out their holiday expenses. And credit card debt is surging again. Why? Because stuff is too damn expensive and people can't afford to just go out and buy it. Now, the mainstream spins this as good news. American consumers are confident, and so they're willing to borrow. Well, I'm not buying that. I think it's a sign of distress. The stimmy money is gone, and the only way people can keep up with these crazy rising prices is to pull out the credit card and do the buy now, pay later thing. Of course, this isn't an economically sustainable model, right? Credit cards have this nasty thing called a limit, and you have to pay them back. According to a CNBC report, more than 35 million Americans are still paying off credit card debt from last year's holiday season. So this strong economy is all smoke and mirrors, if you ask me. I'll link to that article in the show notes page, and you can see a little bit more of that data for yourself. So running long, as always, it comes back to the question, are you prepared for what's coming? Because whether Powell turns into a hawk and fights inflation or just lets it run, it's not good news. So as always, I highly recommend talking to a Shift Gold Precious Metals specialist. You can call 1-888-GOLD-160 or you can email info at shiftgold.com. Either way, it'll get to them. 
Talk to those guys. They'll help you look at your personal situation, your portfolio, your investment plans, your plans for the future, and they'll help you see how gold and silver can help fit into your investment strategy. So with that, we have a gold wrap. You can get more details from all of these stories and more. And of course, keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week over at shiftgold.com slash news. If you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap over at iTunes, on Stitcher, on the uh, uh, YouTube channel. You'll find links to all of this stuff over on the show notes page. As always, I do very much appreciate the fact that you took time to listen to the show. You can reach me at mmeharry at shiftgold.com. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, hey, I'll talk to you next time.